You're listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg-Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. Well, if you have Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 1 this morning. And if you're using one of the black hardcover Bibles that are under your seat or somewhere nearby, you can find that on page 448. The Greek philosopher Plato has been described as, quote, the first uneasy man of letters. The first uneasy man of letters. So though he wrote, uh, though he taught through writing, Plato was never convinced that writing and reading were actually the best ways to teach and to learn. Now to us, that that probably sounds a little bit crazy uh, because for as many generations back as we can count, The written word has been a given for us. But Plato's concern was that that writing would forever debilitate human memory, that that it would make people lazy, that it would make people passive, always relying upon and even presuming that the words are just always going to be there for, for me to go back to and refer to. See, before the written word, people had to really listen when someone was communicating. They had to get the ideas that were being communicated deep into their minds and and even deeper still. They had to ingest what was being said, which requires a whole lot more than simply passing your eyes over a piece of paper. Eugene Peterson summed it up this way. He said, the moment words were written, memory was bound to atrophy. We would no longer have to remember what was said. Now, this morning, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The written word has been an incredible gift. We actually take for granted how much we have benefited from the written word. And that's especially true with the Bible, the most printed, the best-selling book of all time. What, What began as oral accounts were passed down through generations until, as best as we can know and understand, beginning with Moses, the scriptures began to be written and compiled. Why were they written down? Why were they compiled like that? The Apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Romans, it was for our good, for our instruction, for our benefit. So we should always be grateful for written words, and we should always be especially grateful for the written word, Holy Scripture, the Bible. But to Plato's point, if there's a downside to each of us having a a copy, or maybe multiple copies of the Bible, if there's a downside to us having a digital version on our phones or on the internet, it's that we no longer have to remember, we no longer have to ingest these words. It leaves open the very real possibility, and I would argue the high likelihood, that our memories and our minds will atrophy, that we'll become too passive, that we won't actually internalize the Word of God. There's a reason that that a handful of times in Scripture, God tells someone to eat this book or eat this scroll. He says that to the prophet Jeremiah. He says that to the prophet Ezekiel. John in the book of Revelation is, is told to do that by a voice from heaven. God's word is not simply meant to be read. It's meant to be inwardly digested. We're not simply supposed to observe these words from without, but to actually meditate upon them from within. The discipline of memorizing scripture, 
has in many ways, I think, fallen out of favor uh, with at least a number of different Christian groups and tribes and denominations and circles. That almost certainly has a lot to do with how easy it is to access a Bible. It's not unlike how the phonograph recorded music began the death of most corporate singing. Prior to recorded music, people would gather in homes for, you know, for get-togethers, and they would often sing together. Well, when the phonograph was invented slowly over the next years, that practice died out. Or kind of like how the cell phone and the internet has just obliterated your and my ability to remember phone numbers. So if you're like 25 or older, how many phone numbers did you once have memorized that you just had on immediate recall? Dozens probably, right? Dozens of phone numbers on instant. You just pick up a phone, you can call anybody that you wanted to call. Now how many phone numbers do you have memorized? Like, if you're lucky, your own. You might not even know your own. You might be pulling that up in the info section of your phone. Maybe a couple. Well, here's the tragedy with with Scripture. We have turned access into atrophy. We've turned the gift of, of the written word into an excuse to neglect dwelling deeply upon it and ingesting it. And so this morning, we're going to ask God through the psalmist's words, through Psalm 1, to remind us of how much we need and how good it is to meditate on and to memorize God's word. So I invite you to listen now with open ears to this book that we love. This is the first psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's word. Let me pray for us. Father, the one who caused all scripture to be written for our learning, we ask by your spirit now that you would help us to hear them, read them, mark them, learn them, and even inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, life which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, the one who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. This first psalm really lays the the groundwork for the whole book, this whole book of prayers and songs that the people of God have used for generations. And this first psalm says, in short, you need God's word. We need God's word, and we are blessed when we delight in and meditate on what God has revealed. This blessed life involves three things, the psalmist tells us. And we're just going to walk through these really quickly this morning. A standard, a source, and a standing. A standard, a source, and a standing. So for one, it involves a standard. And the psalmist here starts with what it's not and then circles back around to what it actually is. So it's not, he writes, walking in the counsel of the wicked. And the wicked or sinners, as they're referred to here, is not talking about simply people who sin. That's all of us. That's every single one of us. 
It's referring to people who are not even trying to pursue faithfulness to God, who either don't care, they've become completely apathetic, or they're hostile to God. And blessing does not come by making people like this our advisors or our counselors. It's also not, the psalmist continues, standing in the way of sinners. So we don't model our lives after those who who don't care to know or don't care to follow God's ways. Nor is it, the next line there, sitting in the seat of scoffers. And a scoffer would be someone even more opposed to God than the wicked or the sinner. And so sitting in the seat of a scoffer would actually be starting to take that identity on yourself, not just listening to advice and counsel, not just following the ways of someone that doesn't want anything to do with God, but actually starting to become that yourself. And the psalmist is saying here, in none of these places is blessing found. That's not where blessing is found. Instead, verse 2, blessing comes from delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating on it day and night. And that word for meditating right there is an incredibly beautiful and rich word in the original language, in the original Hebrew. When you and I hear the word meditation, you might have all kinds of like thoughts and pictures that come to your mind. Someone kind of you know, sitting out in a field by themselves and they're sitting uh, cross-legged and they you know, have their hands up in some kind of posture and they're maybe chanting something to themselves. I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear the word meditation. The Hebrew word meditate, the Hebrew word meditate, actually Isaiah uses the same word when he talks about a lion and its prey and it's savoring, it's sitting over, it's enjoying, it's ingesting what's, what's there right before him. So Eugene Peterson in his book called uh, Eat This Book, he talks about how it reminded him of, a, of his dog growing up in Montana and how his dog uh, would you know, find a, a deer bone you know, somewhere out in the woods and bring the bone back to the house and just how for hours after that, that dog brought that bone back, Hours and hours and hours, that dog just sat there with that bone and savored it, sucked all the marrow out of it, just sat with it for as long as he, as he wanted. That's what meditating means here in Psalm 1. When the psalmist then talks about the law of the Lord, it's not just about God's rules. It's not less than God's rules and commands, but it's so much more than that. It's the whole counsel of God. It's truth with a capital T. All that God has revealed about his character and his nature, all that he's revealed about his creation and his design, what he's revealed about his purposes in the world, that he is, he is putting an end to sin, that he is reconciling the world to himself. See, we meditate on and we ingest and memorize God's word because this is God revealing himself. This is God revealing the story of everything, the true story of the world. And we are blessed when our eyes are open to that story, when we delight in that story. Not simply when we read it, not simply when we pass our eyes over the page, but when we actually get it into our soul, when we get it deep into ourselves. When we internalize God's word that way, it becomes the standard. It becomes this gauge and the lenses through which we measure and see everything else. And that is when you think about that it's God revealing the true story of everything, the true story of the world, that's our good. That's what it really means to be blessed. So not out of obligation, but, but even for our own joy, we meditate on the word of God. Now, second, th- this blessed life also involves a source, a source. So God is not just some kind of distant storyteller or distant rule giver. He enables what he commands, 
Like a stream of water is the source of life and fruitfulness for a tree, when we meditate, when we savor God's law and what God's revealed, he himself becomes our source of life and fruitfulness, which is what it means to be truly blessed. The wicked, as the psalmist writes, on the other hand, are like chaff, disconnected from the source of life and therefore not rooted, not fruitful. They become without substance. They become really light. And so like the farmers of old, when they were harvesting the wheat and they would throw the wheat up into the air and the wind would blow the chaff away. That's the image we have here. Chaff is driven away by the wind. Third, the blessed life involves not only a, stand, a standard and a source, but a standing, a standing. And the last two verses of Psalm 1 talk about the outcome of these ways of life. The wicked won't stand in the judgment. They won't join the congregation of the righteous. And ultimately, the psalmist says their way will perish. Theirs is the way to eternal death, to judgment, and to condemnation. At the onset of this book of Psalms, it's all about knowing God. It's all about worshiping God. The psalmist is saying, people of God, don't neglect this. Don't neglect this. The stakes are high. There are those who worship God and there are those who do not worship God. And then ultimately, eternally, there will be those who worship God forever and there will be those who perish. And what's the difference? What's the difference? That the righteous, as the psalmist says, are known by God. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He he doesn't just know about them. He knows them. He looks upon them with care and affection. The righteous are given a standing before God. They will stand in the judgment because God has enabled them to stand in the judgment. And church, we know that to a far deeper degree than this psalmist ever did. Because centuries later, centuries after this psalm was written, God did not simply reveal more written words, although he did that, but he sent the word, Jesus Christ, into the world. Ultimately, everything God has ever revealed points to Jesus. And through him, we are known by God. We become reconciled with him. We become adopted into his family. We are truly blessed through the work of Jesus. Because this is the God who knows us and who blesses us. I would call you this morning to take him at his word. Meditate on what he has revealed. Delight in it. Don't take the gift for granted and become passive, but let this abundance of access that we have to the word of God, let that lead to our attentiveness, not to atrophy. And this morning, in just a moment, we're going to get to hear and see an example of this. I'm going to ask Jen Lowe and Lori Jekyll to join me up here at the front, and they're going to recite the entire book of Philippians from memory. Uh, I asked them to do that this morning for a couple different reasons. So first, I ask them to do that as an encouragement to you. You actually can do this. And it's helpful sometimes to see people who have done it because we're not always convinced that we can do it. You can do this. This is actually how the people of God learn the word of God for generations. And it can continue that way today. You, You can do this. If you delight and meditate on God's word, it's actually possible to memorize large portions of it. You don't have to start with a whole book. I would actually encourage you not to start with a whole book. But as you listen to them in a moment, let that spur you on to pursue the same thing. And then second, why I was excited to ask them to do this is, 
This will be a great way, I hope, I think, uh, to wrap up our time in Philippians. So if you've been with us over the past couple months, we've walked through this letter from Paul to the church at Philippi, and we've broken it down each week into sections of about nine or 10 verses at a time. I think that's a really good practice. I think that's really helpful. It helps us really do a deep dive on the richness of, of what's here in this letter, all the, all the things about who Jesus is, all the ways we're supposed to live in light of that. But originally, and we always have to remember this, originally, Philippians was not a sermon series. It wasn't a teaching series. It is one letter. And there was one copy at one point. And it would have been read aloud to the original recipients who are the, the Christians, the men and women in Philippi. So as Jen and Lori recite this, let, let it bring Philippians full circle for you. Uh, let it bring this text back into one cohesive whole. And as much as we can, let it recreate the, the original experience of what it would have been like to be in the original audience of this letter. May we never neglect or scorn the gift of having access to the written word. It is a gift. Let's see it as such. But I just would invite you in these next few minutes to engage with God's word the way the ancients would have before there was a written word. Actually, I'm going to encourage you not to follow along in your Bible this morning. The words are not going to be on the screen. I'm going to encourage you just to listen actively and use the full capacity of your mind and your memory to meditate, to savor God's word. Even in these moments, begin to inwardly digest it. And perhaps in a way that you never have before, let that be meditation. Let that be your meditation on what God's revealed. Uh, A quick note about that before I pray and have Jen and Lori come up. At the end, as they get into Philippians 4, the very end, on the screen there will appear a responsive reading. The last three verses or so of Philippians, we're going to do responsively uh, together. So be paying attention for that as well. But let me pray for us, and then Jen and Lori are going to start. Almighty and loving God, we bless you this morning and each day and each moment for the gift of your word, that you have made yourself known, that you have revealed yourself and the true story of the world. So we pray now for the grace to believe what we have heard, what you have shown us, and to live in ways that honor you above all. We pray this all through Christ, the word, the word made flesh. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.